Welcome to the Leaders Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leaders Edge. In this final Personalize podcast of the year, our Associate Editor, Chris Han, talks with Bradley Plummer, Senior Vice President of Employee Benefits at Cottingham & Butler. Plummer shares what it's like to have two sons playing Division I college football, how his own father shaped his work ethic, and how he went from an on-campus recruit to a longtime insurance executive. Give it a listen. We are here with Brad Plummer, Senior Vice President of Employee Benefits at Cottingham and Butler. Brad, thank you very much for taking the time. You are out in Dubuque, Iowa. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. No problem. Thank you, Chris. Um, I got to ask you, uh, I asked you to send me some some biographical material and you sent me a, a great note uh, yesterday. And uh, uh, I, I guess for me, the thing that 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 jumped out immediately was that you have two sons who are division one quarterbacks. So <laughs> I have to ask you that first, how does that happen? What, what did you feed these kids? <laughs> well, first of all, you asked me for, you know, things that might be odd or strange. And I think that would be one of the odd or strange things, right? So, yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, impressive. yeah, I mean, it's a credit to the boys, frankly. Um, and it is something that, um, you know, you don't, not necessarily that that defines, you know, me as an insurance person or anything like that. But uh, a lot of, you know, my peers in the industry and certainly my coworkers here at CNB, they've, they've all gotten a kick out of following the kids as well. So it's something that in the last handful of years has definitely uh, consumed a lot of our time on the weekends, uh, you know, traveling around the country, going to various games and the, and the like. So um, you asked me kind of how it happened. I you know, it was uh, so I actually have three boys. My my oldest son, he, he swam and played uh, baseball in high school and whatnot, and then went on and had a had a fairly normal uh, college life, the University of Arizona. And then uh, the second boy, uh, Jack, he uh, really took a, a, a love to uh, started playing flag football at a pretty young age um, and was really fortunate to have had a wonderful set of uh, parents that were running a flag football program down in Gilbert, Arizona, the suburbs of Phoenix, and um, really got some really great instruction when he was probably, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, and then carried that through in, into middle school. And his his love for the game just kind of kept growing. And uh, he's a real X's and O's junkie. He likes to study the, the, the strategy behind the game and, you know, read defenses and understand what's going to happen. And know where every single player is supposed to be on the field. And he really, you know, you have to do that and then couple it with the uh, the uh, physical part of the game. And they were fortunate. Um, so then little brother, Will, just kind of followed in his footsteps a little bit. He was a couple of years behind him. Uh, and they were fortunate to have had uh, uh, really great uh, access to some private instruction down in the Scottsdale, Phoenix area. And, you know, down there you can throw the ball year round. And, uh, a lot of ex NFL uh, folks have retired down there to take an interest in coaching high school football and working with the kids. And so, you know, they got exposed to some really interesting personalities and in kind of like middle school and early years in high school. And, you know, I think, you know, iron sharpens iron, you work out with a bunch of great kids and, you know, they, they train together and, and, you know, the average Saturday over the winters down there, you know, they might have as, as many as, I think sometimes they even had eight to 10 division one quarterbacks working out with the same instructor. So, uh, so they all kind of made each other better and uh, you know, kind of, kind of rolled from there. So then 
uh, Jack went on to uh, started his college career at Purdue. And, you know, I was at one of the uh, CIAB uh, EBLF meetings when he was right down to the, the wire on trying to decide where he was going to go to college. And it was, it was a really stressful thing for him as an 18-year-old kid in high school making that decision. And uh, he, he and I probably talked on the phone, you know, over the three or four-day period that we're at that meeting. We were probably on the phone 20 times with each other, you know, going through the pros and the cons and everything. So uh, that process is kind of a stressful one. But then, you know, for his younger brother, he kind of followed in his in his footsteps. They both played at the same high school. Uh, Jack started there for three years. And then when he was finished, Will took over and, and started there for two years. So uh, a lot of fun going back and forth watching their games. And uh, so Will is now at the University of Arizona. Uh, he saw a lot of playing time last year. Unfortunately, he got really banged up. And uh, he's been kind of sidelined this year with some injuries. And then Jack just this year transferred uh, from Purdue as a graduate student uh, up to UC Berkeley, where he's been starting this past year. So been kind of a fun journey. And he's having quite a season, it looks like. Uh, not bad. Not bad. Um, you know, they got some young, talented receivers. Uh, but, uh, you know, getting the chemistry right when you come in and you get a bunch of new players, it's, you know, they've got some kinks to work out yet. But, uh, you know, certainly the weather up there is uh, is pretty darn wonderful, too. Right? So, <laughs> they, they couldn't have gone to Iowa or Iowa State? You know, that would have been more convenient. It was convenient when... When Jack was in the Big Ten, we were able to see some of his games pretty easily uh, from Iowa, where I am. But uh, it's not too bad going to the West Coast either to watch him play. You told me that you've been working since you were 14 years old. Started mowing lawns. Yeah, yeah. Um, had a job ever since I was 14, and and that includes you know most of college. I think there was a little period there where I didn't actually have a job in college because my coursework was a little bit too intense. But um, it literally, the day after I graduated from undergrad at Northwestern, I had to be at my first insurance job, full-time insurance job, uh, at Great American Insurance Company in Cincinnati. We had to report for their training class the next day on Sunday. We started classes actually on a Sunday afternoon in Cincinnati. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, I think, you, you know, one of the things that you asked in the in the bio or the background, you know, it was like, who's your role model or whatever. and um, you know, that's easily going to have to be my father. Um, guy worked his way through middle school, high school, college, medical school, residency, you name it. Um, no one ever paid a penny for any of his tuition. And he he educated himself and you know worked really, really hard. And that was one thing that when I was growing up, I thought, and I was fortunate if he was a physician, we we were, you know, grew up pretty, pretty okay. And um, I always thought to myself, you know, what, what in the heck am I going to be able to do if I'm not a doctor? What, how am I going to do as well as, as he did in, in the world? You know, even given the fact that I was given a pretty good leg up on the, on the whole process. So, you know, uh, taking a page out of his work ethic was uh, definitely something that I took to heart. Well, I was going to ask you about that, where that came from. You think it came from your dad? Well, there's no question. Um, there's no question about it. I mean, uh, you know, to start with absolutely nothing and, you know, build yourself a nice life. And it's really a pretty good American story. Right. And uh, so I was fortunate that I, you know, I got out of undergrad. I didn't have any student debt, which is a huge thing to, to, uh, to get out of school these days and not have any debt. That's something right. that, um, you know, I took as uh, you got to carry that forward since, you know, he did that for all of us. Um, 
of course it helped having a couple of kids get scholarships that was also helpful but um, <laughs> anyway, so it's uh, that was something that I took to heart and uh, you, know, you just try to keep paying that forward did you think about being a doctor was that was that, was that a career choice that you considered I, it was at one point I, I didn't do this the smartest way um, nobody accused me of being too smart on this one but I um, but around the end of my junior year of undergrad uh, I got I had gotten injured while I was in school and I had a pretty bad leg injury and I had to have a lot of surgery on it to repair it and whatnot there was a young orthopedic surgeon that took care of me. It was really, really a good guy. And uh, it kind of got me thinking, well, maybe this isn't such a bad way to go. And of course I'd grown up with my father being a physician too. So I got this harebrained idea after, you know, almost completing all of my economics requirements. Uh, I decided, well, maybe I should do the pre-med thing. And I jammed the entire pre-med curriculum into my senior year at Northwestern, which I wouldn't recommend that anybody try ever again. Um, it was it was a fairly miserable year, to be honest with you. But you know, um, I don't regret it. And it, you know, when I look back at it, I regretted it a lot at the time. But when I look back back at it now, um, you know, I actually took a lot of things out of those classes that you know, if I wouldn't have done that, I I, I wouldn't know some of the stuff that I know about chemistry and physics and the like. So uh, not not a total loss, but. It didn't pan out for me to get into medical school right away. And so I just kind of kept chugging along in the insurance industry and learning different things. And how did that, uh, how did insurance, how did that work? How did you, how did you uh, end up in the industry? How did you uh, gravitate toward the industry? You know, I hate to admit it really. Um, I, I worked in the summertime in high school uh, for an insurance firm in uh, Des Moines called Kirk Van Orsdale. Uh, they were later sold to Marsh. Um, and it was a nice summer job. It was, you know, air conditioned office and all that kind of stuff versus, you know, I'd mow lawns at night and in the evenings and whatnot. Um, but, uh, you know, that was just kind of like a bunch of my buddies and I went there because someone's dad worked there and we got good summer jobs. And then okay. when I was graduating um, from undergrad, you know, because I had done uh, the pre-med curriculum as a senior, uh, you know, I wasn't able to take the MCAT exam until the end of my senior year. So there's that sets you up for like a gap year uh, before you would uh, enroll in medical school. So one of my fraternity brothers uh, who was from Ohio had interviewed on campus with uh, Great American Insurance out of Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, he'd gotten on there and, you know, it was getting towards the end of the year. And, and I hadn't really thought a whole lot about what am I going to do for this year while I'm figuring out the med school stuff. So he encouraged me to go and interview, and and I got this job at Great American um, as a you know a trainee for their uh, property and casualty, basically a marketing rep, if you will. But uh, we were marketing reps that had underwriting authority. So I thought, well, I'll try this for a year and move to Cincinnati, live with one of my buddies from college, and and you know just see what happens. And uh, it turns out I was in Cincinnati for not even three months. Uh, before they moved me to Nashville, Tennessee and gave me a territory. So, you know, 22 year old right out of college, freshly minted, armed me with a Polaroid camera and told me to go call on all my agencies. And I was like, okay, you know, we'll figure this out. <laughs> it, was a, uh, it was an interesting learning experience because one of the first things that they sent me out to do with my uh, assigned agency uh, force was, I had to go tell them all that we were going to non-renew all their workers' comp insurance. And um, 
so that didn't make anybody too happy. And it made them even less happy when we turned around and became the servicing carrier for the state's assigned risk pool. So the clients were all getting non-renewed by Great American. And then they would get a Great American policy in the mail from the assigned risk pool, but 25 to 40% higher than what they were paying before. So <laughs> that wasn't a real fun way to start your insurance career as a 22-year-old. You didn't you didn't uh, seek another uh, uh, occupation. <laughs> you, you stuck with it. Well, um, you know, I went through one of the classic cycles. Uh, I went down to this office in Nashville and, you know, it got downsized a couple of times as they changed their business model. And, you know, they, they kept me on and, you know, I kept, and the other, <laughs> the second fun thing that I got to do was go tell all of the assigned uh, agencies that we were changing their profit sharing and contingent programs. And trust me, they weren't being changed to be more lucrative for them. So, uh, you know, after about, a year of doing that in Nashville and just going in from one agency to another and having people be really upset with me, I thought, you know, this is really kind of not that fun. And uh, I ended up moving back to West Des Moines where I grew up and I, and I spent five years working for uh, an excess and surplus lines uh, wholesale broker. Uh, and really it was in my time there. That's where I really had to dig in and learn about insurance and learn insurance contracts and how they work. Because we were insuring all kinds of odd things, you know, vacant buildings, special events, uh, you know, high risk stuff, prize indemnification, you name it. So, you know, you have always had to start with what's the end in mind and then figure out how do I go build the, the policy and the, the contract and the coverage in order to meet it. So I uh, had a great mentor uh, when I was at that in that little company uh, with a gentleman that owned the place. And he was just phenomenal with teaching me the business and how to think about risk and insurance and how, how the, the policy matters and then how claims get handled. I mean, if you if you don't know how claims get handled, then you're not seeing the whole picture. So what has kept you in the industry um, your entire career, right? Yeah. So I, I've been with Cottingham and Butler, um, maybe 24 years and another week or so. Um, and I, I met Cottingham and Butler through, uh, I had transitioned from a role at that uh, small ENS brokerage operation. Uh, I actually went to work for AIG out of Chicago, and I was calling on what they called middle market in uh, Iowa and Nebraska. So once I got around the states a couple times, I figured out there were really only a handful of brokers that were going to be a good fit for placing business with AIG. And um, you know that's how I met Cottingham and Butler. And I believe it was March 1st of 1998. Um, they had a, a newly uh, established uh, program for trucking companies that was renewing. And you know, I sat in their office for a few days with various different underwriters and we underwrote umbrella policies, pollution policies, uh, anything you could, directors and officers when it was a brand new thing, employment practices. I mean. We wrote all kinds of business uh, to to help support this program, and uh, I pretty much made my annual sales goal for the entire year uh, on that one day with that one broker. And so that's kind of how I got my relationship formed with with C and B. And you know, later on that year, they reached out to me uh, and you know asked me to think about coming up, and I. Uh, you know, when I sized it up and I kind of looked at it relative to, I had offers from a couple of other brokers at the same time. And I thought this looked kind of unique because uh, it was still a fairly small company. I don't know exactly what our revenues were at the time, maybe 20, 
two, $24 million, something like that. I don't know. Um, but I looked at it and I thought John Butler, our chairman, had put together some interesting pieces. I mean, we had a health claims TPA, a property and casualty TPA, a safety consulting company. Uh, they were just getting into group captives and really had a unique business model about how uh, they would seek, you know, to go to the places that a lot of big city brokers didn't like to go. Um, you know, so we had airplanes and we'd fly to little towns that you'd have to look up on a map and and think, what am I doing here? Um, but it's been an interesting business model. And, um, you know, for my time here, it's been, you know, super fascinating in that um, I've worked on the property and casualty side and I've worked on the benefit side now twice. And I still get to deal with both uh, property and casualty and benefits. And, you know, through our growth in that time, uh, like I think we were, as I said, a low $20 million revenue company. When I started running our employee benefits division, we were, you know, seven figures. You know, now we're you know, 42, 43 million in benefits and we'll finish this year somewhere, you know, close to $300 million in revenue as a firm. We've grown from, you know, a handful more than 100 people when I joined to, you know, I don't know, 1,150 or something like that today. And it's almost all been organic. Um, we've done a couple of little acquisitions where we brought people into the fold, but um, really it's been by hiring kids out of college and, you know, growing organically. And it's been a really fun ride, always something different to challenge us. So um, I really haven't looked over my shoulder uh, since I've been here because it's always another challenge ahead and it's been rewarding and it's been a lot of fun watching the place grow and watch the people grow. And so there really hasn't been a whole reason for me to look anywhere else. All right, Brad, I've taken up a lot of your time. Anything else that we didn't talk about that any, anything I didn't ask you that I should have anything you wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about. You know, one thing is, is my wish for this industry is for more firms, brokerage firms, uh, brokers, if you will, to get dedicated to trying to bring new young talent into the industry, hire kids out of college, invest the time and energy into developing an internship program, invest the time and energy into trying to, you know, get a framework and train them. And as an industry, just quit trying to steal everybody else's employees and just move them around the merry-go-round. Let's, let's bring more people into the industry. And I think that there are firms that, that do a lot. And we do a lot. We have a very large internship program. It's a ton of work. Uh, we largely source our people for growth positions from colleges. And uh, it's been a great way for us to, to grow the business and maintain culture and teach people the way that you want, but it's, it's hard. And uh, I just wish that, you know, more of the industry would get really, really behind it actively. I hear that from just about everybody I talk to. <laughs> well, good, maybe they're all starting to think the same thing then. <laughs> all right. All right, Chris. All right. Brad, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, Good luck with everything. It sounds like you got a lot going on and, and, and good luck to both of your quarterbacks. I appreciate it. All right. That was Bradley Plummer from Cottingham and Butler. Thanks for listening. You can listen to our entire personal line series at leadersedge.com.